the federal government announced uh, more than a billion and a half dollars being spent to pay what they call the costs of climate change damage in Canada. And the bill just keeps climbing here. Almost half a billion will be going to disaster mitigation and adaptation funds, uh, 300 million to wildfire management, 165 million to uh, flood mapping. And this is interesting. 30 million will go to Health Canada to help protect Canadians from extreme heat. They made this announcement yesterday or earlier this week in the Maritimes, um, shortly after they had toured the damage and the rebuilding efforts in the wake of Hurricane Fiona in the Maritimes, which, as you know, caused catastrophic damage earlier this fall. So there's a lot of people saying, you know what? It's just going to get more expensive. We better get on the ball here. So we're going to chat now with Eric Bosco, who is executive director, and Annie Levasseur, who is the scientific director of the newly launched Circular Built Infrastructure Institute at École de Technologie Supérieure. If I said that correctly, my accent is horrible. Annie, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank Hi, you, good morning. It's great to be here. Um, let's try and, uh, since we're not looking at each other, I'll just try and uh, make sure I know exactly who I'm talking to for each question. Eric, let's start with you. This this institute, I don't think I've we've talked to you before. I don't think this Circular Built Infrastructure Institute is, is new to me. Explain to me what it's all about. Yeah, um, thank you. And uh, it's actually new to me, too. I've only joined uh, a month ago. So this is uh, obviously an institute that's built on very strong research credentials of this particular university and other member universities. So this is not something that they just started a month ago in the sense that they've been working on these topics for, for quite some years. But um, their decision to actually launch this institute has only been taken over the last several months. And like I said, I only joined a month ago um, to take charge of it and really uh, build it and grow it. So the idea of the infrastructure um, of this particular institute is uh, is basically what we can all observe, right? I mean, we've been talking about the impacts we're all going to have with regards to climate change. And it's always been talked about, you know, something that will happen someday, like in 10 years, 20 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we saw with um, with Fiona and we saw with, uh, you know, the forest fires in uh, Fort McMurray and, and, you know, other fires on the West Coast and floods here in in Montreal and all of those things that actually we're already seeing the results of of climate change right now, right? It has a a significant impact. Uh, You might have noticed last week that, well, was it last week? No, it was a couple of weeks ago in the federal update that they put a billion dollars aside just for the damage done by Fiona, right? Just rebuild roads, rebuild infrastructure, just just the one event in one part of the country. So the the whole idea of the Institute is while other people are looking at all of these other questions, we're really looking at how to build resilient infrastructures that are going to be able to survive what we're going to be, what's coming at us in the next uh, several decades, right? Because infrastructure normally is, is built for you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and to do so, of course, in a durable and responsible way, right? So we're looking to put in place mechanisms for you know, circular economy and the full life cycle and try and keep the carbon footprint of these new constructions or infrastructures as low as possible so we don't contribute ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's really a question of you know, facing the fact that we're already dealing with this now. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 
And so we'd better, you know, be ready for that. And Annie, as, as scientific director, you know, the, the, the point continues to be made, and Eric pointed out a number of cases. Like, like I say, the government was in the Maritimes this week talking about Fiona, but the examples are out there. I mean, the costs really are just continuing to mount month after month, year after year, aren't they? Yes, they are. And since a few years also, uh, many institutions have published different reports trying to um, understand what could be the impact in the future. Yeah. And many, many insurance companies, for instance, of, uh, are already um, projecting what could be the impact because we know that there are going to be several billions uh, in, in the future. Uh, and also, depending on where we are, the impacts can be higher. Just to give an example, of course, up north, um, the temperature increase will be higher. We, we can talk about like five or six degrees, while the global temperature increase could be around two or three. So, and then they have, for instance, the infrastructure is built on permafrost. So we know that if, like, of course, it's a huge challenge for these communities. So depending on where we are, but the, the, these impacts will be um, different, but everybody will suffer from it. So it's very important that we really change the way we are doing things, especially that these infrastructures that we construct now are going to, to be there for many decades. So they really need to be adapted to these future conditions. So, Annie, you talk about addressing that, dealing with that, taking a look at that with something called the circular economy. Now, how, explain that concept to us and how it works and what you're trying to do. Yeah, basically, it's a kind of alternative to the current economy, which we could def define as, as mostly linear because it relies on the extraction of material, raw materials, and then we transform this through many fabrication processes. We use the material not so efficiently, and then at the end, everything ends up in a landfill. So we know now that these very linear model uh, implies many, many environmental impacts uh, because all these processes imply the use of, of course, energy, uh, release many pollutants to um, the environment, and uh, at the end, we put everything in the landfill. So the objective of the circular economy, it's, it's like a kind, it's a set of something like 12 strategies uh, from the very beginning, for instance, how we can design uh, the infrastructure so that it consume less material or it consume material with lower environmental impact. And then, of course, we'll try to make uh, more efficient right. all the processes over the life cycle. And how can we extend also the lifetime of these infrastructure? For instance, looking at how we can repair them better and uh, make them more um, reliable. And then at the end, what can we do uh, with the material and the equipment at the end of life? So can we reuse some of them? Can we recycle? So it's really all this set of strategies that try to make it a little bit more circular with lower footprint. Eric, when we talk about this and we talk about, I mean, even with mitigation and adaptation, we, we often talk about, you know, we're going to do this by 2030. We're going to do this by 2050. What you're talking about, I mean, it seems like, okay, we, that's great. That's fine. But what are you going to do about right now? It seems like you're, you're a little more focused on the importance of, okay, those things may be okay, but there's other things we need to be talking about. Are we doing enough focusing on the kind of thing that your group is talking about? Um, good question. I, I, you know, I wish that an institute like this would have been started years ago because, uh, like I said, and, and as your, everyone listening knows, we're already seeing the impact right now, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I mean, I was very encouraged, uh, you know, to see yesterday the, uh, 
the new national uh, adaptation strategy. Mm-hmm. There's a whole section there just on infrastructures, as you pointed out at the beginning, and you know, large sums of money that are being invested there. So that's that's great. And if you look at it, they're looking at uh, you know putting in place some new codes for building codes, for example, and new regulations, uh, which they I think they are hoping are going to be in place by 2030. Um, that's all really good good things, but we're already seeing the impact now and. My worry is we haven't actually done the research, right? Like, I mean, do we actually know what we're expecting to see as impact change in 30, 40 years in a given location in this country? And then work our way back from there. Like, okay, knowing that, like, what do we need to do for our roads, uh, telecom, uh, the electricity grid, the, the hospitals? I mean, all of these, all of these pieces that we take for granted that are so important to us, right? Which is, You know, there's an economic piece there. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to be spending billions of dollars more per year just just because of the uh, impact of climate change. The damage, yeah. Rebuilding these things, right? The the extra piece there is actually going to be tens of billions of dollars a year. Um, But there's also human costs. I mean, we depend on these uh, infrastructures for our health, our safety, I mean, for day-to-day lives. And so... uh, like I said, I, I wish we would have started this a while ago. And mm-hmm. and to your point, like this is really what you know this this institute and frankly this university is all about. All about, right? yeah. The university is all about engineering. It's all about doing things with the community and with industrial partners. This is a very applied institute where yes, we have the researchers trying to find the solutions, but we already have forty five partners and and we're inviting more partners to join us. Um, and they're going to be working in the institute with the researchers so that as we find stuff, it goes out in the market. Annie, Eric, I, I thank you both for being here today. Really informative. I, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.